0: Support for Off the Path comes from Adelphi University, adelphi.edu.
1: Back in 2020, we brought you the story of Am I Phillips, a traveling portrait painter and one of America's most prolific artists who went unrecognized for more than a century. We'd like to revisit that episode today for a very special reason. It's the debut of a play inspired by this episode, Seven Cousins for a Horse by Tammy Ryan, a production of the Throne Stone Theatre Company. I'll let Throne Stone director Jonathan Wynn tell you more. As a New Works Theatre Company, we are always on the lookout for untold stories and unique perspectives. One fateful day as I was driving to work, an episode of Davis Donovan's Off the Path from New York to Boston aired on WSHU just as I pulled into the office. This was one of those classic driveway moments that you hear about on public radio pledge drives. I was preoccupied with the fact that Am I Phillips was the most prolific folk artist in American history. I'm a fairly frequent museum visitor. How was it that I'd never heard of that name before? As a theater artist, I naturally began to think of how to tell this story on the stage. Seven Cousins for a Horse runs from July 14th to 23rd at the Ridgefield Conservatory of Dance in Ridgefield, Connecticut. You can get tickets at thronestone.org. We're grateful to the theater company for bringing this story to stage and giving us a chance to revisit one of my favorite stories I've ever done. Enjoy. Traveling portrait painters were common in the 1800s, but many didn't even sign their work. There are hundreds of these paintings attributed to one artist, and one of his most beloved portraits will soon be on display at a museum in New York City. I'm Davis Donovan. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. The American Folk Art Museum in Manhattan keeps its collection of artwork at a storage area and gallery space in Queens. One painting that's about to go on display is a portrait of a young girl from the 1830s.
2: She is just gorgeous. I think she's been referred to previously as heartbreakingly lovely.
1: Curator Emily Javolt has the painting propped up on a desk for me to see.
2: We're standing in front of, really, one of the most important icons of American folk art. It's called Girl
1: in Red Dress with Cat and Dog. The girl is holding a white cat, and a dog sits at her feet. Her red dress looks way too big for her. This image has appeared on postcards and a postage stamp, and even inspired a fictional children's book about the young girl.
2: You're arrested immediately by the brilliance of her red dress set against this lush, dark, velvety background. But I really think it's the face that draws us in and holds us there. The tenderness of her expression, these big, beautiful eyes looking out at you with this sense of innocence and openness and her little half-smile. You really can't look away once you're captivated by her gaze.
1: Girl in Red Dress with Cat and Dog was painted by the artist Ami Phillips, He began his career moving from town to town in western Massachusetts, Connecticut and New York's Hudson Valley, placing ads in local papers or posting notices in taverns. He was an itinerant portrait painter, often known then as a limner.
2: Ultimately, the word limner comes from the same root as illuminate, and it was once used to refer to medieval manuscript painters. But In the 18th century American colonies, it became a term to refer especially to portraitists. Curator
1: Emily Javalt says many people saw painting a portrait like painting a sign or house. Limner's weren't seen as creative types. The quote-unquote real artists and art connoisseurs often looked down on them.
2: Limner as a term fell out of use and might actually have been used in a derogatory sense in the 19th century to point out an artist's naivete or possibly to signal non-academic painting styles such as Phillips's.
1: And since Limners didn't sign their paintings, art historians gave them names like the Anonymous Limner or the Border Limner, as in the border of Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. Am I Phillips might've been forgotten, if not for another painting in this room.
2: And this is really known as a Rosetta Stone for the work of Phillips.
1: It's a portrait of a young man named George Sunderland. It lies on a nearby table, face down. That's because the most important thing about this painting is what's written on the back.
2: George C. Sunderland, painted when at the age of 21 years, in the fall 1840, Mr. M.I. Phillips.
1: This painting came into the possession of Barbara and Larry Holdridge in 1958. They wandered into a small antique shop in Fairfield County, Connecticut. They were looking for an affordable painting and spotted that portrait of George Sunderland. Barbara Holdridge is in her 90s now and lives in Maryland. But she still remembers that day in 1958 like it was yesterday.
0: And on the way out of the shop, the uh, proprietor called after us. Maybe you'll find something about the artist.
1: The Holdridges scoured art history books looking for details. They dug through telephone books and old census records.
0: We were not genealogists. We were
1: not conservators. The Holdridges finally found an important clue when they tracked down a descendant of Ami Phillips, who helped them fill in some of the details on his life. Later, they learned about a street fair in the small town of Kent, Connecticut in 1924. The organizers of the fair encouraged residents to dig around their attics and basements and bring out old family portraits.
0: They were all brought out on the sidewalk, and as people strolled by, they began to notice as they all seem to be by the same artist.
1: Art historians named the artist the Kent Limner after the town where his paintings were found. No one knew who he was. And then almost 40 years later, Barbara Holdridge is flipping through books of paintings thought to be done by the Kent Limner and other unknown painters. She notices a lot of them look like her painting.
0: And all of a sudden, as I was leafing through the books, a connection began to form in my head. The painter that was recognized simply by various appellations as the Border Limner and the Kent Limner, that they all seemed to be by the same hand. Holdridge
1: and her husband convinced an art historian at the Rockefeller Museum in Virginia. Her name was Mary Black.
0: And we sat in the stacks at the Rockefeller Museum for hours. And we went at it until Mary had to agree because of one thing, the jewelry and the book. The same jewelry appeared in the very early paintings and the later paintings that were definitely Amir Phillips and the same book appeared several times.
1: With the help of art historian Mary Black, curators and conservators now paid attention. They later agreed these particular limners were all Ami Phillips. Historians only have fragmented details of Phillips' life. He was born in Connecticut in 1788. He also painted signs and did more elaborate work. Barbara Holdridge says she hopes a ledger turns up someday, with details of where he traveled and who bought his paintings.
0: He was a businessman, and I'm sure that he kept accounts. He lodged at people's houses, and he paid them for his lodgings.
1: Phillips was married twice and had children with both wives. Holdridge would love to see a painting of Ami Phillips, or his family, if one exists.
0: And perhaps he never did paint his own family. As they say, the shoemakers' children have no shoes. But perhaps somewhere there is such a painting, and wouldn't that be wonderful to find?
1: Holdridge says she's sure there are more MI Phillips paintings out there. So if you live in an old house in the Northeast, you might want to check out all the nooks and crannies in your attic and basement. And in the meantime, you can see Girl in Red Dress with Cat and Dog at an exhibit opening next month at the American Folk Art Museum in Manhattan. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I follow all sorts of mysteries on the road from New York to Boston.